Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Kiefer, and this is the inaugural RockyMountainATVMC.com VIP Husqvarna Kiefer Tested Podcast. Don't turn that station. You heard that right. A VIP Husqvarna podcast. Husqvarna has graciously come on board to create a show with me to give you all the information on the 2020 Husqvarna lineup. I'm going to break each bike down. Yes, that's right. Off-road and motocross. I will ride each off-road and motocross model. Spend some time on each. Create a baseline setting for you guys out there. Some tips, some tricks. And just try to get you all the information that I can by riding these suckers and transferring that to you guys through this podcast. I wanted to create a VIP podcast where I go over the whole bike I really want to feel what the bike does. What can we do to make it better? Transfer that to you. In case you guys want to buy these suckers, you have some sort of knowledge on what this bike can and can't do. It's going to be fun. This is a special podcast. I can't wait to bring you more of these things. And of course, the inaugural one right here, the 2020 FC450. We're going to break it off to you. So many things that I've experienced with this bike, how to make it better, what works, what doesn't. If you guys own a 2020 FC 450, take your time, sit down, get ready, buckle in, and just know that you guys don't have to do any testing. Let me do all the testing. You guys out there, go enjoy your bike, get on the track, have fun with your friends, and let me tell you, there's been a lot of hours getting these settings and these tips and tricks in, so... If you guys own another Husqvarna model model, and you guys have other friends that own other models as well, tell them about this podcast because we're going to get them suspension settings, chassis settings, engine settings, rider triangle, anything, tires. We're talking anything that goes Husqvarna motorcycles. We're going to break it down to you. So just stay tuned. This is the first episode of the VIP Husqvarna Kiefer Tested Podcast 2020 FC 450. A Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is. Chris Kiefer. So as you guys know, I spent a lot of time on a Husqvarna 450. I liked this bike so much last year that I ended up purchasing one, a 2019.5 Rockstar Edition, right? I loved it so much. I was like, dude, I need one of these things. I purchased one. I rode it for a little bit. I ended up selling it because I know I'm going to roach it out. And I wouldn't be able to get crap out of it. But nonetheless, it impressed me so much that I am purchasing one. And I had a lot of time on it. I spent a lot of time on it. I tinkered with it. Probably more so than any other 450 in 2019. So I am very familiar with this bike. I've had a lot of settings. Um, I have a lot of notes on this bike. For 2020, Husqvarna didn't change a whole lot. They have a piston skirt change. They have suspension changes. Obviously, valving um, specs have been different. And as, as well as um, ECU change in MAP 2. So that has changed as well. 
And of course, they have a left side airbox, you know, hole change, which is we we were doing that anyway, right? We were talking about that in the Kiefer Tested podcast, things to get you some more RPM response and things like that. So for 2020, not a lot of changes. And again, I will reiterate this to you guys out there listening. Sometimes when there are minimal changes to a bike, that is okay. Don't let that scare you off and saying, ah, it's not worth it for me to purchase the 2020. Sometimes those minimal changes make a huge difference. I'm not saying that works all the time. I will be straight up with you. You can email me at chris at keferinktesting.com if you have questions and uh, concerns about, hey, man, I want to save $2,000. I can get a 19 uh, over a 20. What should I do? Let me just tell you. We're going to break it down here. And I will uh, get you guys some settings and some tips and tricks. But I can do that with anything out there, guys. Hit me up, chris at keferingtesting.com. I'm happy to answer your guys' emails. If I do not cover this kind of stuff in this podcast, that is the special VIP treatment that we do over here at Kiefer Tested. It sounds kind of lame, sounds kind of cheesy, but let me tell you, there's not any other media outlet out there right now that will give you the personal attention that we give you and my team. It's only me and two other guys here ever at Kiefering Testing. Uh, I don't have a lot of help and support as far as um, employees, but the guys that I do have are quality human beings. They're good test riders, and they're happy to help me give you the feedback um, that you want just in case I didn't cover this in this podcast. So that's the information I wanted to give you, but... We're going to dive down right to it. Let's give you some suspension settings. If you guys haven't checked out keyforingtesting.com and check those out, we're going to redo it all right here in this podcast. So between the three guys that I have, and I will preface this podcast with this, I'm 170 pounds. I had a 150-ish pound rider. I would say maybe 152. And I had a big boy, 195 to two bills. Depending on uh, what he eats during the day, he is around 200 pounds, and we all have ridden this bike, and we come up with a suspension setting um, that's a baseline setting for all of us that we all can agree on. This is what it's like in the real real world in the production process. When I go test production bikes, let's say I'm going to go test a 2021 machine, there will be two to three test riders, there will be a sag set for the middle weighted rider, which is me, obviously, in this case. And we will try to work around that to keep all of us happy. If one rider says, hey, I don't like this, we will try to change something and create a setting that works for all of us. That's what we're going to try to do here for you guys in this VIP Husqvarna podcast. We're going to try to give you the best setting for a wide range of riders, and you can work from there. That way, it's much easier for you to dial in your shit Versus going to the track, spending half the day tinkering with it when you guys just want to go ride. Look, I get it. I love testing. It's my job. But if I wasn't a test rider, I want to go ride. I want to spend my days on the track having fun with my family and my friends and riding. I don't want to be tinkering with my bike. So that's where we come in to try to help you bridge that gap. All right, right down to it. Here's a suspension setting that, again... All three of us enjoyed, and this is for the 2020 machine. It can work for the 19.5 um, Rockstar Edition, okay? This will work, and it can work for the 2019 FC 450. Just know 
that maybe the air pressure air pressure will slightly change for the 2019, which we will go over as well. So 2020, the fork. Stock fork is a little bit softer setting this year, right? I should say a lot softer. And they're and Husqvarna is going with a comfort setting. Um, a little bit different what KTM's going for. They're going for a little bit more performance setting. Husqvarna wants to tailor to an older guy, maybe wants a little bit more cushy feel, a little bit more comfort. Well, for me, it's a little bit too soft and squishy at times, especially after the bike breaks in. And just know this, too, since we're on this VIP treatment, you're going to have to ride this bike six to eight hours to really break in the suspension. If you feel like your bike is a little bit harsh feeling, a little bit rigid. Give it some time, guys. Give it a break. Don't freak out within the first two hours. This stuff needs to settle, needs to seat, needs to break in. So, again, go over your nuts and bolts. Make sure they're tight. They will loosen up over time, which we will talk about in the chassis world. But most importantly, the suspension needs time to break in. This WPAER fork takes more time than any other fork that I've experienced to break in. So don't be surprised if it takes up to six hours to break this sucker in. I know most of those bikes that we get out there are about 1 to 1.2 hours, and we get them, and they're supposed to be broke in. Husqvarna is not the case. It'll take a little bit longer to break that fork in. So 155 pounds to 200 pounds. Try your fork at 10.9 bars. Okay, If you guys got a pin, write this stuff down. It's good. Have this in your notes. 10.9 bars. Compression needs to be 14 to 15 out. This is a softer compression setting because we are going up in air pressure, okay? What I'm trying to achieve here is a little bit more holdup, but trying to get that comfort that I want and that Husqvarna is trying to achieve, trying to get some of that comfort back as we're increasing the air pressure and creating some better holdup. What I didn't like about the stock setting, it has some pitching. It dives a little bit, a little bit too soft for me. And let me tell you, the 155-pound rider is an intermediate. I'm a vet pro. The other rider, heavier rider, is more of a vet novice. So there's a wide range of guy here, wide range of um, broad spectrum of weight. So 10.9 bars, 14 to 15 out on the compression. The rebound needs to be 11 out. And the height on the fork is 5 millimeters which is basically third line on your fork. Try that. I always get people asking me, is it the top of the fork from the cap? Look, measure from the leg to where the edge of the cap is. Don't add the cap into the measurement. That's key on any bike. Just know that. The shock. This is where it comes in. Look, the heavier guy is going to need a heavier spring, and that's most likely a 4.8 spring. For everyone else... Stock spring is okay with these settings. Uh, low speed shock setting, 11 to 12 out. High speed, 1 and 3 quarters out. Rebound, 12 out. Sag, 104 to 105. Make sure that is key. The sag is key here, people. It's very key to have the correct sag setting, right? Because if that's off, then everything else is going to be off. Make sure you do that first when you get your bike. Get the sag correct first. Measure that with gear on. This may sound redundant to some of you guys out there, but trust me, I have guys out in the garage saying, hey, I'm setting my sag. Look, I don't trust my wife that much with the sag meter, so it's up to you guys if you trust your wife. 
I have my buddies that are familiar with motorcycles. Have them measure the sag. I almost can write an article about how to trust your wife with certain shit on your bike. I love Heather to death, but I do not trust her measurements with my sag. Get the gear on. Have your buddy set the sag. All right? In case you guys don't have that digital scale that you can do it by itself. I forgot what it's called now. Uh, God, I forgot. But anyway, I have just a, a no-lean stick measurement sag. It works great. Tape measure, whatever it is. Just get your gear on just like you're going to go ride and measure your sag. They ask me, Kiefer, do you stand or sit? In the production testing world, we always sit down. We don't stand. I know some people do standing. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, do the same thing all the time. If you guys like a standing sag position, stand up all the time. Don't ever switch. Find a setting or find a way to do it and then keep that way. All right? Hey, for you big boys out there going to a 48 spring, okay? You need to have your low-speed compression 13 to 14 out. Your high speed will still remain at one to three quarters. You can try two out, but I know on this bike, it will feel a little empty on the inch stroke. So one and three quarters out is very good. Rebound, 12 out. Same thing as the stock spring. And sag, again, 104 to 105. That is a good suspension setting. What that does for you guys out there, this will keep this Husqvarna flat feeling on decel. Uh especially when the track is deep and loamy. It will help you from diving. It will help make the bike feel a little bit lighter in corners, not so front-end heavy, and you'll get some oversteer. This will help keep the bike flat. Entrance of corners will be nice, and the exit, you will not get a lot of squat, and you'll get a lot of traction. That's the benefit of this Husqvarna, man. It has a lot of feel on the track. I feel a lot of the track, which is a good thing. And I know where my knobbies are going to bite and take me. I like that feeling. And having this suspension will help that feeling. So just know that. Um, let me cross this on the list here. All right. Here's, here's a trick that I've learned in the past year or so with this bike. The chassis. We're going to talk about chassis and torque specs. Um, I've learned a lot with torque specs through the years with Honda. Uh, torque specs are important. There are recommended torque specs in your OEM manual. You can look those over, okay? Those are key. Don't just start tightening shit, especially when things are attached to the engine or suspension. Those torque specs are very important. Look, I'm not going to tell you to get a torque spec for your seat bolt, uh, for your shroud bolts, and things like that. But things like engine mounts, swing arm pivot, uh, front axle, pinch bolts, triple clamp bolts, swing arm, your rear, your swing arm, your axle, the, the linkage, shock bolts, top and bottom. These things are important for torque specs. Pay attention. If you want to, make a cheat sheet. Write these things down on a notepad. Have them when you're you know doing stuff to your bike. Check your torque settings from time to time. Now... I don't feel like this bike is rigid, but at times, and I've had other people ride this bike, okay? I've had uh, really fast riders ride this bike, and I've had other guys ride this bike that say, hey, it feels a little bit rigid. I don't feel that myself, but if you guys feel like you have that rigid feeling, here's something that you can try. On the left side of 
your bike, you will have a top engine mount, correct? You will want to remove the top right bolt. Yes, you heard that correctly. I know it sounds kind of hokey, right? And it's not as hokey as some of you guys think out there. Some of the OEM guys internally have done this, and I have recently done this, and it does help with on-throttle feeling going through sweepers. It makes the bike feel less rigid and deflecty. Yes, deflecty, I use that word. And it just makes it feel more planted. Now, some of you may be asking, Chris, why remove a bolt? Well, it helps with flex. That thing is directly attached to that down tube, the steel frame. And some of you may be asking, why not the top left? Well, funny you ask that. I tried both at one time or another. So I've removed the top left and I've removed the top right and left one in there, correct? The top left, I noticed zero difference on the track. So I'm like, hmm. I reinstalled that bolt, took out the top right, and for some reason, and I really can't explain to you guys out there listening why that is, okay? Some things are just a mystery, and I can just feel things on the track. For for some reason, I did try that top right bolt, and I did get increased front-end traction on throttle, and it helped make the bike feel a little bit more planted. Again, this is only the left side top engine mount right bolt that's it if you guys don't feel anything if you guys don't feel like it's rigid don't worry about it leave your bolts in and make sure they are tightened to 30 newton meters okay that is important put blue loctite on these suckers because they will back out okay especially the top bolts they will get loosened up especially after break-in and they will back out Put blue Loctite on these things, okay? But make sure they're 30 newton meters on the top bolts. Very important. Each side, each side of the engine mount, okay? 30 newton meters. Just please make sure you guys use blue Loctite and know if you remove the left side top bolt on the right side, okay? It will not vibrate anymore. I don't feel increased vibration. Your other bolts are not going to fall out. It just helps the bike settle a little bit more and give you a little bit more flex. Look, I don't recommend this if you're a sand rider, if you're riding deep tracks, you're back east, super loamy. Leave everything in, tighten those suckers down to 30 newton meters, and it's a good feeling chassis. But I have felt on some hard pack occasions, sometimes at Glen Helen or the occasional... Uh, sunrise where it's hard pack, that bolt removal does help traction, and it does work quite well. Something so easy as removing something um, can really help you on the track. We've done this with Hondas in the past with fuel tank bolts. So uh, sometimes in production process, they go a little bit stiffer than intended, and sometimes that happens, and then we, as consumers, end up trying to search for better traction, less deflection, and removing a bolt can help just kind of settle that chassis down, let it flex a little bit more, almost like let it breathe a little bit more. So that is something that I would uh, want you guys to try if you feel like it's a little bit harsh feeling. This does help. Again, don't only do that if you guys feel like it's a little bit harsh. I'm actually not going to do that with my bike 
but I wanted to give you guys some information. I try to be transparent as possible here and actually tell you what works and what doesn't. Another important aspect here, get your swing arm pivot bolt to 95 newton meters. Okay, swing arm pivot bolt, 95 newton meters instead of 100. Backing it off 5 newton meters helps that rear end just kind of move freely in the stroke a little bit more and as well as give you some more rear wheel traction. I've always played with torque specs on swing arm pivot bolts, and sometimes OEM manufacturers go a little bit tighter than necessary just for uh, bearing sake, durability, uh, just to make sure uh, a safety aspect. Backing it off 5 newton meters is not critical to safety for me. It just helps free up the rear end and that swing arm moves a little bit more freely. And then return, that gives you some more rear wheel traction. I'm a big feeling guy on the track, and not to say that I can feel every single newton meter, but backing it off a little bit does help increase traction. So that's something I have done to my bike here at home, and I like that setting. Again, under load, on throttle, it'll help you to get that uh, rear-wheel traction. Another quick little tidbit, rear brake pedal springs. They're a nightmare on this Husqvarna. I think... I break them every two to three hours. So if you guys have a problem problem keeping your rear brake pedal springs attached, do this. Go buy yourself a Honda CRF 450R rear brake pedal spring that has that little rubber piece around it and just install it and you're good. They won't break. Or try to find a little piece of rubber or some kind of a hard plastic that fits that spring and wrap it around that spring and that'll help the vibration and keep that brake pedal from breaking off. It's not so much from the pressure of your foot. I assume and I don't know for sure, but I think it's vibration because I'm not very hard on my rear brake and these things end up breaking every 2 to 3 hours. So, do yourself a favor, buy yourself a little condom, that's what I call them. I know some of you may not. Little condom around that rear brake pedal spring, and that will help the life of that sucker so you're not buying them every two to three hours. All right, chain adjuster. We talk about that a lot. There is a fixed left side chain adjuster block on the rear axle. It does bind that rear end at times. You guys may not know this because you guys don't know the difference and haven't tried it back to back, but once you free that up, man, you get increased rear wheel traction and a better moving feeling rear end just like what we talked about with the torque specs and the swing arm pivot this will help that as well go to worksconnection.com or ride-engineering.com and they both have kits the ride engineering kit is an axle they give you a, a different axle and the blocks or the works connection kit will give you just the blocks and you can do it yourself both are very good both do the same thing i love both pieces this is a very important part into getting some more real attraction. You guys out there, when you guys, if you guys want to try this kind of stuff and you don't know and you buy it and you, and it works, hit me back on my email. I want to know if you guys feel the stuff as well. I want to know if it's working. I'm telling you guys to do this stuff. I like to know how you guys like it as well. So just hit me back with some information. I like hearing back from you guys. It's fun for me. I want to know, make sure you guys are feeling the same thing I do. But for sure, there is a, a noticeable difference when you go to a non-fixed left side chain block. So just do that. 
I need to find the reason why they do that. I need to ask Husqvarna. So next time, I think I'm going to see them tomorrow. I want to ask them, why do you, do you guys out there put a left side fixed block on there? It just It's puzzling to me. I have no idea. Uh, most of you guys hit me up with, hey, Kiefer, what muffler should I get? A slip-on full system? Most of the time, I will tell you guys, get a slip-on system for other bikes. But for the Husqvarna, a full FMF 4.1 is awesome. Why? Because they work closely with the R&D department in Austria. They mate that muffler up with their ECU um, changes that they make. And it goes hand-in-hand. It works well. You're not going to get a bunch of D-cell pop. And it helps roll on delivery, mid-range, and top end. It's one of the few pipes that actually helps in every aspect of the RPM range. I love it. That's what I've used. I've used other mufflers. Um, While some other mufflers work good on other bikes, to me, this FMF works the best on this Husqvarna. So full system, it's up to you guys, stainless or tie. I go to a tie system, drop a little bit of weight, and that will drop a little bit over 1.2 pounds going to a titanium system. So check them out, FMF 4.1. I like that delivery of the pipe. It sounds bitchin'. It works well, and I like it. Uh, ECU settings for me in 2020, like I said, they changed map two. Gone is that rich, lethargic feeling with a lean, top-in, popping D-cell sound. That is not apparent in 2020. If you guys do have a 2019 that does that, Take your stock ECU over to Jamie at Twisted. Have him get a reflash, and that will be basically what's inside of this 2020 FC450 Map 2. Map 1 hasn't changed in 2020, but still has a little rich-feeling low end. I'm always on Map 2, guy. I'm a Map 2 dude through and through. It's not such a hard hit where I'm going to like, oh, man, it's too much. Unlike a, a Honda where Map 3... Woo! I'm out. It's too much. Map 2 on Husqvarna FC450 is bitchin'. Use Map 2. And if you guys are on that hard pack stuff, use TC and Map 2 at the same time. It's magical. It works bitchin'. I love it. Don't be scared to touch that TC. It actually works. Uh, if you guys do have some extra money and you want to, it's burning a hole in your pocket and you want an even better Husqvarna, let me tell you. Get a Vortex... ECU, have it mapped by Chad at XPR Motorsports or Jamie at Twisted. Both of those guys are excellent at ECU. And let me tell you, some of you guys out there saying, oh, it's mapping. It should be, uh, if I want a different map in my bike, it should be cheap. There's a lot of work that goes on to try to achieve optimal mapping for this bike. A Vortex Ignition gives you a wider parameter um, then the stock ECU, it has wider parameters. For me, I'll be straight up with you guys, I do not see a reliability loss going to a Vortex ECU. Yes, it's expensive at 800 bucks. But if I was owning this bike, which I did, I went out and purchased my own ECU. I still have it here, and I switch it from bike to bike, you know, year to year. So far, 2019.5 and this 20, I could just swap this box out. And it totally wakes up the engine feeling of this machine. That's all I would need. When the guys race these bikes, they ask me, Hey, Kiefer, what should I do to my FC450? I go, get some inspection, obviously. Fuel, 
ECU and a muffler, it's a whole different bike. It's so fast, so connected, so easy to ride. You can run third gear everywhere. It's insane. I had Jackson uh, Richardson. He's an Australian guy. He's a Honda guy, rides Supercross. He rode my FC450 and couldn't believe how good it was. He was like, dude, what's done to this engine? I go, nothing. It's an ECU, some fuel, T4, and uh, a muffler, and it was awesome. So look at a Vortex if you guys are serious. If not, like it's not necessary. The bike is still very good, but getting a Vortex ECU will wake up the engine. It'll help the recovery. The pull of the engine will be longer. It just enhances that great engine character that this bike already has. I'm all in on this stuff. This, this stuff, man. It is so good. It makes me excited to ride the bike. You can get it mapped for pump fuel. Still much better than stock ECU. I run T4. That'll enhance the RPM response a little bit. Get you a little bit more pull in the mid-range. Of course, you want to go full bore. You get some Pro 6 map. That's gnarly. That's expensive. I probably wouldn't recommend it. But if you guys are hardcore racers, Pro 6 map even pulls harder off the bottom. And it's unreal. So... Look into a Vortex ECU if you have some extra money. Look at Chad or Jamie. Both of those guys are solid. Again, always hit me up. If you guys have any questions about those dudes, I will vouch for them. And again, I don't vouch for people that I do not believe in on this podcast. So uh, they must be pretty damn good. Rider Triangle. Uh, the FC450 comes with a Pro Taper Bar. Thank God. KTM needs to learn a lesson here. Pro Taper Bars are awesome. Um, they're one of our advertisers on our Kiefer Tested podcast. I approve of that stuff. Basically, I try to get a, a Pro Taper bar on all of my bikes as much as I possibly can just because of the feeling of the bar. More flex, increased comfort. I like it. I'm 43 years old. I need some flex. I don't want a rigid piece of shit front end. So a Pro Taper for me works. I like it. I go there. Um, you guys should as well. If the bar is too wide, cut it down to 804. Stock is 811 millimeters. If it's too low, try yourself an SX Race Bend, Evo, or Fusion. I have a Fusion crossbar on my FC450 right now. I've kind of liking the crossbar right now. I go back and forth. It's up to you guys. But the SX Race Bend is a little bit higher in height. It's still flat like the stock Husqvarna bar. Um, and it's a little bit more of a rise. I can just stand up and go through corners better with this SX race versus the stock Husqvarna bar. The stock Husqvarna bar is really good when I sit down. It feels really nice. But when I start to stand, I got to hunch over a little bit, and it's a little bit too low for me. So going to this SX race bend is a very nice neutral bend, especially for guys anywhere between 5'8 to 6'1". All three of my guys liked that bend. Uh, they all run it. And uh, it seems to be the best band for a, a wide range of riders. Kiefer, what about gearing? I guess I forgot to mention that Husqvarna went to a 1349 gearing for 2020. I like that gearing. Honestly, if you guys have no problems with it, just stick with that. The recovery is better, um, especially coming from a 2019 where they ran 1348. I like a 1349 for a little bit more bottom end and mid-range RPM response slash recovery. If you guys want to get a little bit creative, you can go to a 1452. To me, it gets you a little bit more mid-range, top end-ish. Uh, it's, it's very minimal, but it does make a slight difference on uh, especially hard pack to slight loamy conditions. And it does help rear-end shock 
acceleration, free feeling. We've been talking about a lot about this on our podcast right now, but I'm telling you guys, to get increased traction, you can roll your corners sooner, you can get on the gas sooner. It just helps when you increase rear wheel traction to help that shock just move more freely. Now, when you do go to this 1452 gearing, your rear axle will be go will go back a little bit further than where 1349 is. So you might have to change your shock setting a little bit. Again, every time you move something, something else changes. So I like to increase low speed compression. When I go to a 1452 gearing, I go a little bit stiffer because now I've got more leverage and now the bike may squat a little bit more under load. I don't mind it as much as long as you increase your low speed dampening, your compression. Go two to three clicks if you guys go to a 1452. We're split in the middle here on the gearing. I like it. My Dominic, the 155 pound guy, liked the 1349. And my bigger guy, my bigger rider, Matt, he could take either one. So um, less headache for you. Stick with 1349. But I wanted to give you guys an option and let you guys know what it does um, going to a 1452 gearing. What about the airbox? For those of you 2019 owners that do not have holes in this left side of your airbox, go buy a 2020 left side cover. Do yourself a favor. Get some extra RPM response. That'll help recovery. Because some of the issues that I have um, with this bike, it's it may seem a little bit too slow initially. But once you ride it, you appreciate it more. So if you guys are having like, hey, man, I need more excitement. I need more hit. I like some exciting feel. Having some holes in your airbox will help. Obviously, going to a Vortex will help that as well. But stock ECU, put some holes in your airbox. The 2020 airbox has that. It's very good. It'll help some RPM response. Um, just know this. Not every time you get on a bike, you need all this excitement. I know it appears to be really fun and nice and exciting. But I can guarantee you... Having too much of that excitement down low will hurt you in the long run. You won't be able to do longer motos. Your lap times won't be as quick because you're not as connected to the rear wheel, to the ground, as you will as a bike that's linear and easier to ride off the bottom. A lot of questions say, Kiefer, what about a 250 or 450? I'm really not scared of a 450 Husqvarna power band. It's easy to manage, easy to use. Um, my bigger rider, Matt, he was on the fence between a 350 and a 450 because he think he thought he could ride a 350 better because it wasn't so gnarly like his Honda was. Well, he got on this FC 450, and guess what? He bought one as well because it's so easy to ride and easy to manage, yet you have all this freaking power. So um, not every time you need uh, some power, you don't need all of it down low. That'll get you in trouble. So Husqvarna power band, no matter how you change it, and I've ridden with uh, engine spec, I've ridden with the Vortex, it still has that linear character. It just builds RPMs a little bit sooner, a little bit freer, but it always has that linear feeling that I love. I look for that feeling on all the other bikes. It's tough to find, but Husqvarna really nailed it for a fun, easy-to-ride type of engine. And... uh Doing that to your left side cover will help a little bit of recovery and RPM response. So do yourself a favor and do that. I get asked about fuel a lot. Kiefer, what about fuel? 
Look, run pump fuel. Uh, California fuel sucks, so I run T4, VPT4. You don't need to change your mapping with T4 with the stock ECU. Of course, if you guys are going to a Vortex Ignition on this bike, Chad or Jamie will map it to that because we have done mapping for T4 fuel. And uh, it'll help uh, bottom to mid-range pull. It'll get you out of corners a little bit sooner. It, uh, it has some more RPM response. I don't have to clutch it as much. I know when I go to a T4 fuel that I can run third gear a little bit better because I just have that extra little oomph out of that corner. So uh, pump gas is fine, guys, especially with the 2020. The new mapping that they have is much better. Thank God. I know I said this on, on the Kiefer Tested podcast as well, is they went out with us, the media, and tried some different ECU settings and we came up with this setting, and that is what's in this 2020 version. So um, these are all kind of tips and tricks. And if you do all this stuff to your FC450, you're going to have one hell of a machine. Damn fun. People ask me, Kiefer, what's your favorite bike to ride? That's a loaded question and very tough for me to answer. But if I had a little bit extra money and I was going to tinker with my bike, not just buy it from the dealership and ride it, to me, a Husqvarna is on the top of my list. There's a couple things that needs to be done to make it really good, but with a little love and some tinkering and some time in the garage, this is one of the best 450s to ride. Whoever would have thought that Husqvarna would build a badass 450 motocross bike? If you would have asked me that 15 years ago, I'd have been like, you're on crack. There's no way I'm ever going to ride a Husqvarna. My dad was like talking about Husqvarna's when I was little. I go, you're crazy. Dude, fast forward, 2020, Husqvarna, so good, fun to ride. So we're going to be doing more of these podcasts, guys. This will be a little bit different from the regular RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech, okay? These will be a little bit different from those. We're going to dive in more with settings, torque specs, just the little intricacies of each bike. But I thought, hey, what better way to get you guys some more information, not only through the regular podcast, but through this VIP podcast that Husqvarna sponsors. And I just thought, man, this is a really cool way for all you guys to get more information about this. Each model, we're going to do off-road bikes. We're going to do TPI bikes. We're going to do 250, 350 motocross models. We're going to try to hit a lot of Husqvarna motorcycles out there and really dive into settings for you, okay? That's what's key for me out here. I really want to get you guys comfortable and get you guys on the track and having a good time. If you see me at the track, come by, say hi. Let's bullshit about your bike, especially if it's a Husqvarna. We can talk about that. And uh, I'll try to get you guys some settings. Chances are I will have my settings Bible with me in my van or my truck. And... uh hopefully get you on the road and get you feeling comfortable and getting you that lap time down so you can uh, give your buddies the bird and say, suck it, I'm better. And then when you, when, you, when you are better, give me some credit as well, okay? That's always cool. I like to know that I'm helping you guys out there. It's fun. I love it. It's why we're here. So, hey, thank you guys for joining me for this inaugural edition of the VIP Husqvarna Kiefer Tested Podcast. Look for these suckers. Every couple of weeks, next up, we'll be doing a 250 and 350, and then guess what? Off-road life. We're going to be doing these the rest of the 2019 year, talking about the 2020 models that Husqvarna has brought to us. So again, thank you guys for joining me. 
Chris at KeeferInkTesting.com is the email to ask the questions. Just make sure they're legit. They're not lame. Give me some time because I am busy. I'm only one dude over here. So give me some slack. All right, buddy? All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you at the track. And thank you, Husqvarna, for doing this. This is awesome. And uh, hopefully you guys like this and we can do more of these. So see you guys soon.